This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code LASERTIME. Jean-Claude Van Damme fights himself. Another sex-filled pie in Viola Davis and Jessica Chastain help win some Oscars. This week on 302010. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you on a rip roar and romp. Those are things I would have written like 15 years ago for some reason, words I never say. Here I am on a podcast using them, and I feel silly. But hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista, who is with me. I'm Diana Goodman, and I firmly endorse Gritty Kitty Litter. <laughs> I understood it's that me, reference. Sarah. That's, it that... feels so good between my toes. My toes. 47 million. That is, that is my big highlight of this weekend. The biggest thing, I think, to happen to television animation in my lifetime happens this week on 302010. Bigger than Los Simpsones. Um... Yes, I think so. Yeah, uh, to some extent, but it's it's all wrapped up in the same stuff. It's 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 this three. Never mind. I'll get to it in a second, and we can bring it up in context. Uh, this is thirty twenty ten, the episode that celebrates three decades of movies, TV, music, video games, pop culture releases, a little bit of news, and more of a single week across three decades. So we'll be talking about August sixth to the twelfth in nineteen ninety one, two thousand one, and twenty eleven. Get it. Uh, ten years separated. It's been pretty neat so far. I hope you, many of you listeners, didn't check out during the Planet of the Apes debacle that keeps happening. A movie that doesn't <laughs> only have a split timeline, but has its sequel released like ten years to the day. Uh, it's worst and one of its best movies released ten years to the day from itself. It's weird. It's a real the best of times, the worst of times situation. It really was. <laughs> it really was. I could never stop talking about it. Uh, but this week, man, do I have a ton of stuff I want to talk about with you guys. Yeah. Some movie again, I said I didn't get to see them. I was at a vacation spot where there was no there was two radio stations and then a two megabit download internet that just went out for two whole days and I'm just going to give a shout out Peacock, you're the only app that work. I have never once seen Netflix. <laughs> Usually Netflix will like, ooh, this is bad. We'll knock this down to 140p so you can see it. Netflix is just like, we're not going to do anything with this. You need, to be, <laughs> you need to find another place to use Netflix. But Peacock, during the Olympics, they were there for me. Um, mm-hmm. So I had a div- real difficult week this week. But a shout out to, to Piscock, which I could not stop calling it to annoy my mother. And <laughs> I also got to say, if you didn't hear us last week, the debut of our first ever show for Patreon.com slash LazerTime, nobody puts classics in the corner where we extend Diana's classic corner segment into something we can all talk about. Uh, that'll be out by the time you hear this. And as 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 well as the, a brand new episode of 302010 Games of the Vigic Apocalypse Boys, Patreon.com slash LazerTime. With that said, our executive producer is Christopher Ottman, as well as many other fine people at Patreon.com slash LazerTime, supporting this and many other shows in the LazerTime Network. Uh, five bucks is all we ask. We'll try and give you back as many uh, as much cool stuff as we can in exchange. Thank you. <sighs> what a week. <laughs> My favorite news tidbit that I just read, and I still can't believe, but Diana's always really good with this, and I'm so glad you do this. Let's get into some news real fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is this? On the, Brit- on the British radio show, On the Hour, Steve Coogan debuts a new character, Alan Partridge. <laughs> which... Oh, wow. Yes, Alan Partridge is 30. 
Wow. Wow. I can't believe Norwich's finest has been around this whole time. And Chug a bunch of Coleman's mustard in his honor. I think I saw his second movie and really liked it. Alan Partridge, I mean, not Steve Coogan. Uh, but I remember going into a video store ho, 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 around 10 years ago and try, and like talk, striking up a conversation with the video store guy about Alan Partridge. And it's really difficult for an American to have any complete sense of yes. how long and how how used this character was because we we didn't have access to i think three quarters of it yeah it always felt like a thing that had like a lot of mythology and like various points of entry to it so i could <laughs> never like really figure out like i've seen some alan partridge stuff and i've enjoyed all of it but i never really exactly grasped what i'm right. where i'm latching on to right. in the timeline you know like yeah it's like are you watching it's alan partridge are you watching knowing me knowing you are you watching <laughs> like because there's been a bunch of different programs or he's guested on other shows or he's or, a or fake talk a show and he, yeah, he's, he's on the radio uh, it's, yeah it's super I mean, it's confusing bounced around and it's just yeah. it's just so weird that it's like it's such a very specific character but also so universal of just massive self-involved idiot t- personality tv yeah. personality yeah, like, yeah that's it still it's that I, simple it's it's I, I, I again bad comparison possibly but it reminded me a lot of david brent when i first that's saw him. exactly what i was about to say mm. like especially the whole like specific person but also someone we all know yeah but but you know, a, a little a little nicer thing. at least at least in the movie I, that was the most recent thing i saw he's a nicer character with a redemptive quality whereas david brent doesn't really have that yeah uh, this, mm. <laughs> maybe closer to a michael scott then but yeah, that's that's what mm. I was thinking. It, it he does feel a little more Michael Scott, a little more Michael Scotty. David Brent. Listen to the show a couple of weeks ago, so we talked about the difference between the American and U.S. office. Even though that doesn't even scratch the surface of how many offices there are regionally uh, across the, the globe. There are. So, I didn't know there were that many. Um, oh, yeah, I want to watch Indian Office. Mm. I feel like that could be real good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can finally what, see where what all kind my of office pranks do they get up to see where all my yeah. customer service calls are going to this day uh to this day for the website that you might be hearing this on um job's a job baby job's a job and then 1991 moving into movies i love that diana does this and i never would have guessed this in a thousand years you typically tell us for the songs and the movies what knocks a long-standing number one off the charts and terminator mm-hmm. 2 since uh like early like First week of July, number one with a bullet. Number one with a mercury bullet there. Uh, and <laughs> with the stabbing weapon. And it, what is going to knock it off? Because eventually, you know, everything's going to fall. Mm-hmm. I had no idea it would have been Hot Shots. And yes, wow. I, I, they had to have made a great commercial for that. The movie that knocked Terminator 2 down a bit. Yeah. Only down to third. It's still making more money than everything else releasing this week. I I still think the two months of Home Alone getting taken out by Sleeping with the Enemy is still my favorite. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty good. That is so great. But it is so weird to go from, yeah, action biggest action movie ever to like goofy ass action comedy and and because like, yeah you know, i've seen terminator 2 like three times now in the theater so let's go watch this right and and if you were um you know a little kid living in this monoculture you were probably living this this ride week to week you, you don't even think you didn't think you were destroying terminator's box office record just by going to see his zucker movie but you did and then and then also releases for this week of 1991 august 6th to the 12th bingo with cindy williams and david Raish. don't know anything yeah. about that one which I just remembered as being like, uh, you know, kid adopts runaway dog movie. Mm-hmm. And then, I'm sorry, I didn't have time to watch it. The reviews were pretty rough. So 
I read like a detailed synopsis and it's like, there is a lot of doggy near death in this. Wow. Like it really is. He, he is, it's a circus dog and he runs away and he's found by this kid. And, but it's like in the circus, they were trying to make him jump through a hoop on fire, but that just reminds him of how his mom died in a fire. And no. so he's sad. So he runs away and he like gets captured by someone who's going to eat him. No, I don't like any of this. It's like, oh gosh, this is way too much doggy peril. I no, I don't want doggy peril. Mm. Like happy, happy boys. Sarah and I had a brief conversation about going to the beach where you didn't have access to like many channels, if any at all. And there were movies that like I associate with being able to see at the beach and never anywhere else because we didn't, <laughs> for some reason, a couple of these rentals, they'd have like, they'd have HBO and then two other channels. So you were at the, the mercy at whatever they're showing. And I, I remember very specifically discovering the movie Delirious with John Candy, Marilyn Hemingway, and Emma Sams. I believe the final role of Raymond Burr um, wow. is in oh, this wow. film. Yes. There's a lot of dead people in this film. Uh, Charles mm. Rocket uh, also, oh. also in this R. film. R. John Candy plays a soap opera writer. But more embarrassingly for me, I think this is the first time I heard a Prince song <gasps> in, in the opening of this film. You'll never oh, guess which my. Prince song. And I thought it was fun and hilarious. And my sister had like a little... Muppet Baby's baby keyboard and this you know it's HBO so this would come on like two times a day and I just try and like play the beep, 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 beep. I was obsessed with it on the keyboard I didn't know any of the lyrics but yeah in a time before the internet like I gotta master this song and this Kermit the Frog keyboard not knowing it was Prince at all but I, wow. I, I remember trying to tell my parents how great this how great the song was do you remember how much that sucked Trying to tell someone about a song before you can oh, just play it off your phone. The worst. And then you had to kind of try to sing it, but you don't yeah. know any of the words. Really? You just yeah. know phonetically what the words sound like? Can you, ima- can you imagine me singing Prince songs to my white parents? Trying. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah, this is free on Tubi uh, with commercials, of course. But right. So I watched it this weekend, and I quite enjoyed it. But it... Look, we're in 91. This is definitely feels like an 80s movie to yeah. me as far as the concept and just how everybody is over the top. And it's about soap operas, which is like a very 80s concept. But yeah, it's a fun little movie. And I really enjoy the concept, like the the conceit of it. He's like yeah. writing his story. He, he He's a soap opera writer. And then he gets in a car accident and wakes up in the soap opera mm-hmm. and then realizes that with his magic typewriter that he has, he can basically write his reality, which is like that Will Ferrell movie, right? Yeah. Well, Stranger mm-hmm. Than Fiction. Yeah. It's it's fun. Yeah. It's cute. It's extremely light. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Gosh, the body double they have for John Candy riding a horse. Oh, <laughs> oh no. It's one of the most embarrassing oh, no. things ever. Oh. Uh yeah, but no, it's it's extremely light and fluffy, but it's a cute idea. I just, it could be done so much better. But John, John oh, Candy, sure, yeah. I always like to point yeah. out one of our most unlikely movie stars yeah. and, and someone who is just a big man. And, and if he has a body double for a horse, that means we're in an Andre the Giant situation where they, they mm. cannot put this dude on a horse. He'll be dead in three mm. years um, yeah. Yeah. due to weight issues. He was so likable for for everyone that oh, he was yeah. he was the star of like romantic comedies for me of this generation. Star John Candy. Yeah. Even when he's playing a jerk or an annoying person, which mm-hmm. he did a lot. Mm-hmm. And in this in this one, he kind of plays kind of a jerk. But I, there's a running joke in it, too, where Dylan Baker, who is one of my favorite Hey, It's That Guys, mm-hmm. just is yeah. like taking some medicine and he's getting like 
his body is literally falling apart in front of your eyes. And I just, I really enjoyed that whole little running joke of that. <laughs> yeah. I really like that guy. And a, a movie I watched uh, uh, just because I, I'm still angry that the perfect Martin short movie doesn't exist and it might be too late. He's got it's plenty of time to show up and be like fantastic in small roles. But uh, man, I love Martin Short so much. I think he's one of the funniest people ever. What? I'm still waiting for my Franz movie from his character and Father uh, of the Bride. Yeah, yeah, he's got, <laughs> yeah. He, he that's where he I think I will mean, end up shining. It's perfect. Yeah. Because this movie, like, God, I saw it recently. Like, I know I'm gonna love it. I'm gonna get real high. Pure luck. I had not seen it in a very long time. Remake of a French movie, isn't it, Diana? Yep. Um, Sheila Kelly, Danny Glover, and Martin Short in Pure Luck. These two men have been hired to find a missing heiress. One's a detective searching for clues. Open the door. The other's an accident waiting to happen. There's no quicksand in Mexico. Congratulate me because I just discovered. Martin Short <laughs> and Danny Glover star in the new comedy from the writers of Twins and Kindergarten Cop. Pure luck. And I don't know, for people in Florida... When Universal Studios first opened, they only had a couple of movies to promote for like a year. And this stood in like as a huge poster next to Child's Play 2 every time you went to the theme park for a really long time. So I was like dying to see it as a little kid because I had been indoctrinated. Also <laughs> love Martin Short. And I believe the premise, they're looking for a lost heiress who is so unlucky. But Martin Short is also the most unlucky human on the earth. And their bad luck will draw them together. Right. It's like, yeah, it's, it's I, such a, in English, what a stupid premise. That's just, yeah. When you say it like that, you realize, oh, this movie's really dumb. <laughs> and yeah, this movie is really dumb. Mm -hmm. and, and it was only, I, it just sort of made me go meh. Like overall, the movie I thought was pretty meh. But Martin Short does so many good gags yep. in it. Just because he is constantly mm -hmm. falling over, getting his head stuck in something, you know, <laughs> trying to kick someone uh, landing crotch first on a tree. <laughs> there's just like, just as, as a physical comedy showcase, right. it's so damn. Wow. I wish this movie were better. Yeah, it's just, it, it is pretty stupid. Even if you, if you're trying, I just wish Martin Short like had like his Ace Ventura because everything I saw Jim Carrey do, I think Martin Short could have done. I think he would have been yeah. a great character in The Mask if Jim Carrey but, ever gets desperate enough to do that again. On the inverse, could he? Could Jim Carrey do Clifford? I don't. Clifford's the closest Ooh. thing to the best Martin Short's movie, and even that I is. Know like, you have love in your heart for that. Movie. I do. I had the poster forever. It's just so awkward and very <laughs> strange. Uh, that it's it's still not like it doesn't sit well with me when I watch it to this day. But just that Martin Short never got a, a fucking truly great breakout movie, and he's I think he's one of the most gifted comics to ever live, and he can still do what he does very well. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'll put my voice in for Inner Space. I think he's fantastic. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah. that might be his best showcase. Wow, know? we have a we have an Inner that's Space great. movie in the next segment. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, we do. Um, but that's pure luck. But that's not what the people are seeing this week. They don't care about that. They they've been asking ever since the movie Bloodsports. The only the only thing I think Jean Claude Van Damme couldn't beat is a version of himself, and he mm -hmm. would do this in many movies. But I believe it starts here. Yeah, I didn't realize how many times he does this. It's, he does <laughs> he it a does lot. This a lot <laughs> through time travel, unbeknownst twins. Uh, Alana Shaw, Paul Michael Glazer. Oh, I thought. Oh, I thought it was uh, Zach from Saved by the Bell uh, and JCVD Double Impact. From Columbia Pictures, Van Damme is back to back. There's two of them and one woman. Very nice. Thank you. Has them both. That's my woman. Look good to me. I don't even think about it. 
Now it'll take both of them. Express service. That's what I love about you. To handle one of her. Please fasten your seatbelt. Double impact. Rated R. Feel the impact Friday, August 9th at a theater near you. It sounds like they also tried to license Delirious for that promo and just had to get a sound alike. Double impact. I didn't watch it, but I... But There's I, two of them. Yeah, you, you <laughs> get the that. idea. You're a Jean-Claude Van Damme fan or you're not. I, I was trying to watch this with Sam, but even he didn't have a, like, a great recollection of it. Yeah, like, I, I mean, it's it's fine. It's it's less uh, martial artsy yeah. than usual. He claims he wanted to show he was more versatile than just being a kung fu guy. Which, and, yeah, makes sense. That's I mean, that's always a good idea to do. Seriously, <laughs> Al. And... Uh, <laughs> So it's about like their parents were murdered when they were little kids and they were separated and raised like one's raised in France and one's in an orphanage in Hong Kong. They still end up with the same accent somehow. (laughs) Uh, And then like they're going to team up and they're going to stop a drug dealer and they're fighting over this woman. And it's fine. It's fine. It's yeah. Generally, it's pretty fun because there's a lot of light comedy. And it's one of the things that I think. Jean-Claude Van Damme doesn't get credit for out of all these, you know, action level action stars of the 80s and 90s is he's the one who could do light comedy. And mm-hmm. it's fun when they let him. Yeah, sure. he, he, I think more successfully than, than most other action stars teams up well with comedians in a way that yeah. uh, we talked about last week with Rush Hour 2. Jean-Claude Van Damme did all the time, several times with Rob Schneider. No, no, that's Stallone. Yeah. And, and also Rob Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> Stallone did it twice with Rob Schneider and Jean-Claude Van Damme did it once. <sighs> um, yeah. Yeah, or Dennis Rodman. And Dennis Rodman. <laughs> oh, Lord, that film. A little slice oh, of wonderful. My- Apologies <laughs> if uh, I gave any of that short shrift, because I, I, for me, the, the most fun I had looking into the show this week was just spending a few hours trying to remember one of my favorite moments in, uh, in, in pop culture. Uh, something I just remember where I was, and I remember, I remember being in summer camp, and we're all waiting to get picked up every day, and we're just talking about how great these three new shows are going to be. But the three new shows are just a harbinger for something even bigger that I, I didn't really know about. And I love some of that is evident in this promo. Nickelodeon made a ton of promos for these three new shows they were about to premiere in 1991. And one of the things they were doing, the, the least big milestone, is airing them on Sunday mornings. Because there's that is like a barren zone for television. They would literally run... Solaflex ads uh, on network television. It's like golf and bad sports uh, reruns. Like I don't even think they put sitcom reruns this early in the morning. So the no. the, the thing no. that this... uh, Wild Kingdom with from Mutual of Omaha, yeah. a lot of that. Yeah, <laughs> so National the... Geographic. That's when I saw all the Jacques Cousteau documentaries with Sunday mornings. So the promo I didn't want to watch fucking golf. The promo Nickelodeon is making the show Nickelodeon is making fun of in this promo is Face the Nation because <laughs> hmm. that is cool. one of the only new shows you could watch on Sunday morning and. I love the idea of like, are you trying to reach parents or kids who have been forced to watch this? Because it's very likely. It's the only new thing to watch. Face the Nation. It's still kind of a famous show. Uh, But that's what this is parodying. This Sunday, why face the nation when you can face the animation? Nickelodeon's new cartoons are stimulating and tasty. Think of them as cartoon coffee. They're Doug, Rugrats, Ren and Stimpy. And they'll never discuss foreign policy. The TV generation knows you can never outgrow good cartoons. So watch Nicktoons this Sunday starting at 10, 9 central only on Nickelodeon. 
these these pilots are so lavish compared to the production episodes. They're mm. they're so much fun to look at. And and I do I don't think as many of you could go back and watch Doug Rugrats and Ren and Stimpy as you think you might. But you will recapture the feeling if you watch those first episodes. They're they're all really strong first episodes. So yeah. I, I believe I don't know if I can ever watch the Ren and Stimpy first episode again because it ran all the time. It's the episode I've seen yep. twice as much as I've seen any other episodes combined. I mean, that's it. The, the, the poor comparison kind of I have in my notes is um, when <laughs> the Nicktoons launched at 10 a.m. on Sundays, Ren and Stimpy was the out and out leader, but it was like the Chevy Chase to SNL. It burned really hot for one year. And in the long run, we still talk about Bill Murray and John Belushi, and that's the Rugrats. The Rugrats would outlive all of them, but even Doug has this incredible incredible longevity. Uh, Nickelodeon had to put this animation, their Nicktoons on hold, I think, in 95, and Disney just scooped up Jim Jenkins' studio and, and dug along with it. But I'm happy to report you can stream all these on Paramount+. Plus. Nickelodeon didn't like lose the rights to air the episodes it financed. All of these are just excellent shows. And I say that with a... I, mean, I, I have to say that all the time for Laser Time. We are a, we are a show about nostalgia with no rose tint. I don't... I cannot stand some of the He-Man conversations I've been hearing as if that show or <laughs> franchise was actually good and should have been, it should have been illegal. And you all, you all had your minds warped by it and I'm one of you <laughs> and I have some of the toys still, but this is totally different. And uh, we did a laser time episode a while back about the death of Saturday morning cartoons and among my favorite culprits, divorced parents, I think that's great because everyone's <laughs> doing the switcheroo on a Saturday, Saturday morning, Saturday morning cartoons got really fucking bad and remain bad. They didn't take any chances with Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, in fact, they mostly wouldn't go for anything that wasn't commercial. It had to be based on a movie. And if you know how animation works, it's either the movie was popular two years ago and you put an animation show in production, or you put it in production before this movie was successful and then turned out not to be. And you have this giant, stinky 13 episodes on your hands. Or it is a commercialization thing, a My Little Pony, a He-Man. I think that there was a massive decline in Saturday morning cartoons. And when I started looking through the, the, do you guys remember Saturday morning cartoons that you liked that? I mean, uh, Pepper Ann recess. Oh my God. Sarah's so much younger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, those were the ones that I watched and I no, was no. even probably a little too old for them at that time. But again, it was probably the only thing that was on when I was up early on Saturday morning. So, I mean, I feel like there might've been like a mini resurgence. No, no, I mean, I, like, I, there's always good stuff around there but then if, if a saturday morning cartoon show hit two seasons it tended to get syndicated so like i oh i do like the beetlejuice cartoon i think mm -hmm. muppet babies and garfield I, mm -hmm. those are two shows i would save in a fire but then there's a ton of like even the back to the future cartoon the bill and ted cartoon like this is not good and uh kids deserve something good and if you haven't read that um great oral history of nickelodeon book or there's the orange years on hulu mm -hmm. um you can watch now and we talked about it with clarissa these this absolutely concerted effort to address kids programming into something kids wanted to watch rather than something the networks thought would be financially successful for kids to watch. Or mm. like something else that was going on, I feel like in a lot of children's entertainment, which is like things that we want children to watch to teach them some sort of like message or value a lot or of, something mm -hmm. like that was Captain I Planet. A lot of uh, yeah, and I watched a lot of Disney growing up more than Nickelodeon, and there was Nickelodeon was always kind of seen like as to me as the fox of yeah. <laughs> children's <laughs> networks because the cartoons and all the shows were a little bit edgier than that Disney stuff. Yeah, and they they uh, again 
several this is all the responsibility of ladies so shout out shout out to the ladies for making this all possible it's from the president of nickelodeon (laughs) and vanessa coffee who just went out to la and started taking pitches for specifically we want creator run cartoons we don't want something based on something else we don't want to create a massive toy line we talked about clarissa and salute your shorts those are all shows that wouldn't have gotten made on any other network it was just like Mm. we think kids will relate to this in this way and this is what they actually want to see. They don't really want to see their toys come to life as much as Hasbro might think they want. <laughs> they want to see stories about themselves or uh, about things they've only dreamed of seeing. And I think that's perfectly embodied in in And the so tunes. they go with, I mean, Doug, which is pleasant. Wonderful. And, and two of the ugliest shows. I, I think we have I, different Rugrats definitions of ugly. Like, I know there's a lot of stuff going on in Rugrats that's much smarter than it deserves to be for yeah. its age group, but it is, my God, the visuals are so, and then Ren and Stimpy is intentionally ugly intentionally. In, in a very classic cartoon kind of way. In a beautiful, like, Mad Magazine kind of way, but it's like, yeah. if you're a little kid who's always wanted to, like, book your own Bugs Bunny cartoon, like, why doesn't he just fart on him? Or, or like, bite his ass and, like, well, here's the show for you. Ren and Stimpy will do all of that stuff. They will be the- <laughs> comedic delight you've always wanted and that's another thing i love about nickelodeon they they introduced like let's put rugrats aside which i think is imaginative and, and wonderful in hindsight i wouldn't watch it but doug and, and ren and stimpy like they shouldn't be paired together they should be fighting no yeah. they, they should oh, be mortal yeah. enemies <laughs> oh absolutely i mean because i watched two out of the three of these shows i watched doug and rugrats and yeah absolutely like Doug is so calming. It's like Xanax yeah. for your little worried, like child brain. And then I always had to turn off Ren and Stimpy like immediately because it freaked me out. Like it <laughs> made me very anxious as a child because it was so chaotic and ugly. Like you said, yeah, I was, just, I was, I, I if, you, if you've heard me being consistent, I was a little more that way towards Doug because Doug was the only cartoon I'd ever seen where like it had this Spider-Man quality of like, this guy's almost my age and his problems are about to be my problems. And I am also worried about saying the wrong thing to the girl or embarrassing myself in class. And, you know, my imagination's still kicking into high gear the same way Doug's was. I think it's just such this sweet little show. I just can't imagine anybody but PBS greenlighting these days. (laughs) Well, and that actually works out perfectly because Doug then would have been a little bit older than me. And Mm -hmm. I, I I think a lot of kids, I don't know if everyone, but a lot of kids enjoy watching children's entertainment or young adult entertainment that skew, that has characters that are a little bit older than you. Cause it's kind of like, this is what I'm going to be looking forward to. This is what I'm going to be dealing with when I'm in high school, middle school, whatever. So we we found that that, that, that's why you know. We found that demographic was called girls. <laughs> it was. I was talking with April Richardson on a, on a laser time about Saved by the Bell, where it's like I, that those situations terrified me. So mm-hmm. all the guys I know were watching like mindless tripe and like, I don't want to see what my world will eventually look like. I want to stay in this one. And well, that explains no, a lot was... about like, me and most of your husbands right now. Well, for me, it wasn't like anticipating being older. It mm-hmm. was like, I'm close enough to relate to them, mm-hmm. but they have more freedoms than I do. Uh-huh. You know, if I'm 10 and I'm watching a show about high schoolers, like they can go do stuff and I'm not allowed to go do stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I guess I had, a, I had a little bit of that with like, hey, dude. Uh, or something like that. Just agency. Holy shit! I'm eventually going to get that. I can choose not to go to soccer practice. Yeah, exactly. Order. But but yeah. But, just... but the point that you made about artist pushed shows. Yeah. That it's like that that the creators are largely in charge. I think that is a huge deal yeah. because we get 
so much more out of it. Like, I mean, I don't want to talk about John Chris Felusi and what a bad person he is, but Ren and Stimpy in particular was like so anarchic and it would get so disgusting. I mean, there'd be weird detailed close-ups of someone's boogers. Yeah. And, and, you Uh, know, magic nose goblins, the magic nose goblins. (laughs) And there would just be like incredible use of, of, Music, especially like from the forties and fifties. Raymond Scott's uh, <laughs> the powerhouse, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, just so I mean the weirdest shit ever, and it was just like this ain't your mama's television. It absolutely <laughs> was the idea of them going door to door to sell rubber rubber nipples is like that episode sure. is genuinely confusing, it, like like disturbing because <laughs> remember they pull someone out and it's a walrus covered in rubber nipples and he's just like call the police and it just it just ends that that scene just ends uh the show was so disturbing and like it was it this is a kids network for kids and i don't know if they were intentionally doing something that disney wouldn't do but like this was controversial this was the top of like in a day where parents would say my kids aren't watching that or all watchdog groups could keep their children away from this thing on nickelodeon and oh, yeah. John Kay Ren would and, kind of Ren help do that for them. And, yeah, Ren and Stimpy and Beavis and Butthead, I remember being held up of like, what is with the children? Yeah. My... I was like, fuck you, man. Ren and Stimpy did a psycho parody, and I recognized that at 13, and I was very happy. Yeah. My, like, bad cousins, who now I recognize are actually my cool cousins, were, like, really <laughs> into both of those shows. Mm-hmm. And I was always like, oh. Now I'm like, damn, they were very cool, actually. I mean, it, it, it took a while to get Ren and Stimpy merchandise, but at one point I had three Ren and Stimpy posters in my small room. And this is yep. before you could get toys of any of this stuff, because that wasn't Nickelodeon's priority. It was, and if I, if I didn't express this well enough, animation is expensive. And it takes mm-hmm. a long time to do. And it took Nickelodeon like two years to get this off the ground. Uh, didn't have much of a merchandising plan. And before this, it's why my generation sort of, and I want to plug Jellystone, a show I really like yeah. uh, on HBO Max. But like kids didn't have anything to watch, but like fucking reruns of stuff. Mm-hmm. We're not quite at the Animaniacs days just yet. Um, yeah. we're, we're watching reruns of cartoons from the 50s or even the 30s or 40s. That's all the animation we have to watch. Cable doesn't have enough eyeballs on it to finance their own shows. And Nickelodeon took a huge risk and it, I just can't believe like it paid off in every form. Doug ends up like running on Disney for far longer than it should. Ren and Stimpy, no matter what you want to say about its creator is like, I think going to happen again. Um, Rugrats is, has a CG reboot where they look the same in a movie trilogy. Mm, How can three shows launched at the same time do this? Well, it's just like unbelievable. And it's why I tell you, it's not just my nostalgia. These are clever, out of the box, like l- little shows, and I, yeah. I, I'm, it's astonishing to see them paired together. Right now, even now, I feel like it's so weird they're paired together because they're such unique flavors. Rugrats is just the more I think about Rugrats and the characters therein, the more I think about what a wild, weird show that was. Yeah. Especially <laughs> the female characters. Yes. Like, wow, I'm impressed. Honestly, also what? Okay, the also is Klasky. Chupo. Our, Arlene Klasky and Gabor Chupo, a married couple Chupo, okay. who would start this company. The first, like, uh, what's it called? Like the little end credit yeah. thing. That's the first one I've ever, I ever <laughs> recognized. Well, Gracie films first. And then mm. this uh, was like the first time yeah. I recognized, oh, these are like, this is like a signature basically, like on a piece of art. Yep. Like, that's super cool. And that's why it all looks so <laughs> defiantly 90s ugly. For uh, Well, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's fair. And I think that's what some of the people at Nickelodeon said. Like, no, this looks different. The same way, like, 
somebody, I, for, I don't even know if it was Matt Groening that had the idea of like, if you turn the channel and see these yellow characters, you might stick around and say like, why are these characters yellow? <laughs> like that, that might be one more thing that gets you to hang on this channel for a second. And it's inarguable that I, I wouldn't have predicted, I would not have put my chips on Rugrats to be like the biggest thing that would come out of this because yep. everything was so well regarded and liked by kids mm-hmm. and, uh, and and just such an astonishing act like by Nickelodeon. If you watch that Orange Ears thing, they make it seem like just the successive like Double Dare into Clarissa into Salute Your Shorts and Are You Afraid of the Dark and mm. Nicktoons. I like gotta they, watch that. They could not do wrong because they were intentionally going for like what do kids want to see? Fuck what we want kids to see and sell to them, which is still how the networks thought. Like Diana was saying with creator-run animation, it's pretty lovely. Like that Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon still exist on those pillars. That is how they greenlight stuff. They don't. Yeah. There's there's definitely some franchise-based stuff, but uh, well, I think more than more Cartoon Network is super focused on that. Uh, creator-driven animation. Show us something new, funny that can sustain itself for five years, and you got a job. It's just really, really neat. Um, yeah, I just I can't imagine without having stuff like Regrets and Ren and Stimpy, I can't imagine years later having something like Adventure Time. Yep. Something that yeah. freaking audacious and strange. Yeah. Yeah. You just go like, okay, yeah, let's try it. Whatever. Yeah, let's see. Maybe they'll like it. Maybe it, they won't. Mm-hmm. Ah. It's mm-hmm. all like it's all like ugly Pixar and just at this odd <laughs> time where like all these cartoons look so different. Rocco is a year off. Ariel, they would introduce one a year. Ariel Monsters is two years off. Hey Arnold is three years off. And like those six shows in particular for me are like, Jesus Christ, these are so wildly inventive and different and interesting to watch in their own ways. And then I, and then I fell off Nicktoons for a while as any adult should because, um, you know. Y'all watched BoJack Horseman, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. I have not watched it yet, even though it's been recommended to me a million times mm-hmm. by everyone but from what i know of bojack could that same line be drawn between like doug and bojack as far as like presenting angst and melancholy in everyday life there's like, a, there's a seriousness kind of prime people for that you think there's a seriousness i didn't expect in bojack and occasional seriousness and heartbreak in doug there's an episode yeah. he thinks he thinks his dog died yeah and no, like doug i one of the reasons I liked Doug so much is because it showed a kid that had like anxiety and like yeah. worries and, and wasn't popular. And it, it was angsty and a little melancholy at times from what I recall. And you didn't even know the guy voicing all the main characters in that show was voicing on the show. You didn't like Ren and Stimpy Billy West. It's like my introduction Ooh. to Billy West. That guy. There, there's he's so everywhere. many reasons I think McToons are important, but he's Doug, he's Roger, he's uh, Stimpy, and eventually Ren. Billy West is the greatest living voice actor uh, that we have, and hmm. I didn't know who he was until Nicktoons, and I, I just I've never been not aware since. My dad was yeah. always, oh, the guy who does the voice of Stimpy's on NPR talking to Terry Gross. Get in here, kid. Um, yeah, and super open about his many many personal problems. Yeah. Anytime he is on, especially Gilbert Gottfried's podcast, is fucking. Gold. Yeah. Gold, Jerry. Yeah, snorting all his Ren and Stimpy money. Or, or was it just pills? I can't remember. There was, a lot of, there was a lot of stuff. Yeah. That's <laughs> not good because that's rough on your voice from what I hear. Mm. He still got it. I, I heard him in that. I was watching Disenchanted recently and I love I love his Phil Silver's impression. Oh, no. Oh, no. But I, I yeah, Nicktoons are great. They're worthy of your nostalgia. They really are. They're uh, out of nowhere and just untampered with and, and I hope Stuff like that continues to happen to animation, especially with how many people and uh, how many resources it takes to do. Uh, we should have a laser time coming soon about television animation that I can't wait to 
Uh, can't wait for you guys to hear about video games. Couldn't find many this week, but we go way more in depth on Patreon, patreon.com slash laser time. I think I have a bonus time, a bonus clip in the, in the, maybe even in the show about a sound alike Flintstones theme in a Game Boy game that makes me laugh to this day. If the Flintstone theme was supposed to make you sad and come from a Game Boy um, that <laughs> couldn't afford the original, so you get this oh so close one. Anyway, uh, moving into real music 19, of 1991. Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian Adams is still number one from the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves soundtrack. Or I think it was on his, his actual album. We also have yeah. new, new releases this week of the Heart of the Soul and of the Cross, the Utopian Experience by PM Dawn. These the cops yeah. guys, <laughs> the bad boys uh, guys. No, no, this is different. This is uh, like Black Liberation hippies with rap and also sampling and also stuff. Yeah, there. I think. I'm pretty sure we're not playing a song off of this because it's going to go to number one. A set adrift in memory bliss that's got the Spandau Ballet sample on it. Oh. It's a you'll you'll love it. It's a, it's actually a good uh, floating in the pool song. Oh, hey. yeah, well, very relaxed. Well, we have left a summer. Let's hear it. But the bigger news is Metallica has gone mainstream, <laughs> and by mainstream I mean they have softened themselves like two degrees enough. To suddenly get everyone's attention. Because, like, the metalheads love Aunt Justice for All. Because Aunt Justice for All is a fucking great album. But here we are three years later. And all of a sudden, everyone knows who Metallica is. Because they put out Self-Titled, a.k.a. The Black Album. A.k.a. I love that scene in This Is Spinal Tap so much. Because it's like none more black. None more it's like black. A, mm-hmm. It's like you can see yourself. Because it's so black. <laughs> and it went platinum 16 times. Wow. Wow. It's one of the best selling albums of all time. Yeah. It's also and the, it, the five-year anniversary of doing the show with a group of guys and Diana, and a discussion of Metallica comes up, and I was shocked to find, like, Diana's the biggest Metallica fan in the room and just starts screaming the lyrics. You, I could not believe you could not rock out to Pastor of Muppets. I, <laughs> Pastor of Muppets. Yeah, Pastor of Muppets, you, gotta, you know. Oh, man. They're pulling the strings. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, Enter Sandman, Unforgiven, Nothing Else Matters. Those are freaking classics. We're done. This yeah, part baby. Done. Well, let's close yeah. out with uh, Enter Sandman. Uh, Hell yeah. Enter Sandman, a fucking fantastic music video. Yes. And I, I've never seen Metallica live, but I did see the band Goldfinger like five times. And, and twice before they turned the lights up, they came out to this song as the lights and stage continued to open up. And it was one of the raddest things I've ever seen. This song is a great way to open anything. Uh, sadly, we're closing with it. Uh, yeah, but, <laughs> but I, I mean, I I feel like we need to have like six different Laser Time episodes just about the best riffs ever. Yeah, and this is just a great riff. You can do anything with it. I even play in a plastic guitar, which I have. But <laughs> uh, take us out, Metallica. We got to close out 1991. But hey, a lot fewer cartoons to talk about in 2001, but uh, no less substantial. But a different network, network that runs cartoons. I'm not going to say anything else. Let's stay right there. But we'll be right back. Oh, 
Folks, you might have heard us talk about Manscaped and the importance of male grooming before. Well, now that summer is upon us and the clothes are starting to come off, it's more important than ever to give yourself a little boost of confidence and look your personal best by taking care of some of that stray body hair. Some of it down there. Since it's so hot, you might even want to trim things a bit shorter than usual. And when you do, take it from two guys who have learned the hard way, more than we care to admit, you want to be sure you're doing so safely, especially when trimming the hair down there. And that is where Manscaped can help. It may be a scorcher out there, but it's time to bundle up in here. With Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, aka the GOAT of ball trimmers. GOAT! Weed Whacker ear and nose trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold on to your goodies. Their fourth generation Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunctional on-off switch that can engage a travel lock, and gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? In the shower or in the wild, and from your chest pubes all the way down to your ball fro, the Lawnmower 4.0 is the best trimmer for you. Want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ears. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin safe technology which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Not those delicate holes, you sickos. Your ear and nose holes. Uh, uh, once you're done grooming, you seal the deal with Manscaped's delightfully scented liquid formulations. Before heading outside, use Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant to keep you on your game in the heat. Then, after trimming the lawn and whacking your weeds, give your beach balls a boost with Crop Reviver. There are few things as refreshing as a little spritz from the Crop Reviver. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to the Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers, and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort in boxers to another level and get 20% off and free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code LASERTIME, one word, LASERTIME at manscaped.com. Escape the shrubs and the weeds this summer and shine with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. And then I hear my baby's voice in my ear screaming out. Coming in uh, to 2001 with Contagious by the Isley Brothers, featuring R. Kelly and Shantae Moore, off of Eternal. Their 28th album! And it went double platinum? I had no idea, because I love the Isley Brothers, but I'm thinking about, like, this old heart of mine, which is from 1966! Wow. What the hell? But, I mean... Good for them! This is, like, high on the charts, and the album does very well. Yay! Yeah, yeah, I remember hearing a lot of them when I did community service in the library, where I was, um... 
40 years younger than everyone who worked in the back and white. And I would just, it would just be this all day long. Oh my God. That sounds like a dream come true. It was not terrible. <laughs> it was not terrible. I didn't just know. Just being in the library all day long? In the back of the oh. light. Not, not, yeah. Filling out your community service hours because you got arrested. Um, but that album gets to be double platinum, uh, like 40 years into their career. Insane. New, other new releases include Kiss the Game Goodbye, uh, the debut of Judicus. Uh, in Search of, the debut of NERD, Secrets by the Human League, 8701 by Usher, Get Down or Lay Down by Philly's Most Wanted, Gravitational Forces by Robert Earl Keen, and uh, O Aaron by Aaron Carter. Destiny's Child is number one with Bootylicious. 2001 News, oh, it's a little sad news to bring you in, into what's happening. I can't believe it's been 20 years. Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman divorce after 10 years. I have, they were only, uh, they were only married a quarter of my life. It felt like so much longer. <laughs> Yeah, little 15-year-old me is like, so you're saying there's a chance. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Movies of 2001. Boy, do I kind of enjoy most of these, or at least I've seen them. Uh, 50%. I, I, I remember a friend of mine I haven't hung out with in years. He's like, I just saw the best horror movie I've ever seen, and it never came to theaters. And we, it, it was one of those situations where like we had to wait, I think, six weeks to find it in a blockbuster. Josh Lucas, Brendan uh, Sexton, uh, Peter Mullen, and David Caruso in Session Nine, mm-hmm. a haunted, yeah, a haunted uh, mental institution film. I did not like it at all. However, what? No? however. If you look up David Caruso fuck you gif, it is the greatest fuck you gif of all time. And it's from this movie. It's a camera that slow pans on handsome Ronald McDonald as he's pointing upwards at the camera. (laughs) Fuck you. You don't need a subtitle to know what he's saying. It's great. (laughs) Fuck you. It's one of the best fuck yous I've ever seen on camera. So funny because I came to session nine the same way. A friend of mine who I haven't talked to in a very long time was like, this movie is fantastic. It's like one of his favorite movies. And he was a horror movie guy. So I trusted him. And he, I had never even heard of it. And I mean, mm. yeah, did, I really did, enjoyed did, it. And did it we fall victim to, to perhaps the yeah. greatest guerrilla marketing campaign of all time? Is that what you're <laughs> Just saying? like random old best yeah, friends. Two friends we can't really vouch for <laughs> or find right now. His name was Subway. It was strange. <laughs> the long con. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just a long, tension-filled movie. Of just mm-hmm. yeah, guys are like renovating this old hospital, and they find these tapes of you know someone in his you know the the psychologist sessions, and they're like playing mm-hmm. them while they're working, and then spooky shit happens. And it's directed by a guy who did mostly romantic comedies, and he was like, I want to do something new, and. Everyone was like, okay. As like the horror fans who liked it, like really like it. Like now mm-hmm. it's, you know, kind of a cult horror film, but most people have not heard of it. If you're a horror fan or just someone who really likes just appalling levels of tension in movies, yeah. then Session 9 is for you. And everyone else, it, you probably stay away because it's really spooky. I feel like this would be a A24 movie now. If it yeah. Came out, you know, yeah. like it, it definitely reminds me of the same feeling. Hmm. And uh, man, namesake of my giant skeleton. That movie comes out this week. Y'all don't know Osmosis Bones? Um, <laughs> we're watching this movie. Um, David Hyde Pierce, Lawrence Fishburne, Chris Rock, and Bill Murray in, I think, the weirdest Fairly Brothers movie ever made, Osmosis what a, Jones. One of the weirdest animated question mark movies ever made. Yeah. It's weird. 
This summer's most infectious comedy is inside this man's body. Looks like we got some germs on that egg. And contagious. Oh, now to defeat a deadly virus, these two crime fighters. Oh, why you hit so hard? Must get under his skin. You're dealing with a white blood cell here. And off his nose. Please, you're going to make me vomit. Chris Rock, Molly Shannon, Chris Elliott, and Bill Murray. Osmosis Jones, rated PG. It's still bizarre that Bill Murray will do only certain things for certain people, and the Fairly Brothers are one of them, and it'll kind of be in anything mm. they want. And he plays the live-action infected body that Chris Rock's Osmosis Jones and his partner David Hyde Pierce fight throughout. It is a very strange movie. Uh, yeah. But worth watching, just, you know... I wish I loved it more. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, I, I finally watched it last night and there there's a lot that I really liked about it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I really liked that it's a cop movie that takes place in someone's body. You know, the white blood cells are cops <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. and they have to stop germs from coming in. And like, there's all this stuff about how the body is like a big city and they got a shitty mayor that's, you know, uh, William Shatner and, it's election year and so he's like trying to keep everybody happy but shit keeps going wrong because bill murray doesn't take care of himself (laughs) and and then this like super bug played by Lawrence fishburne gets in and they have to try to stop it and there's like a cover-up and no it's not super infectious whatever and so all this stuff about things what what happens to the body when you get sick like extremely timely right now yeah Yeah. that's one thing that was missing is that he doesn't wow that is what that is why we watched it last year yeah, Lawrence Fisherman doesn't like replicate and try to infect other people. He's just like, oh no, I am going to kill Bill Murray. I am here to kill Bill Murray, and yeah. that's all I want to do. <laughs> this should have been the Body Wars ride at oh, damn. <laughs> oh damn! How much better it would still be around. I did like Body Wars though. God damn! I did too. I loved it. Yeah, oh. I guess my big complaint is I kind of could do. I can't believe I'm saying that. I could kind of do without Bill Murray, <gasps> but I could kind of do without the live action stuff. It's yep. just sort of distracting. Yep. Like he works in a zoo for some reason and he's got all these issues with his daughter because he's like a terrible dad. And there's a lot of gross out humor. Of course, there's going to be like barf and snot and stuff. And it's like there's a certain amount I can take. And it's it's surprisingly it's gross because it's not an R-rated yeah. film, but it's still no. disgusting. It's yeah, still it's really barely brothers. Yeah, yeah it, there's still a lot of gross stuff. But then like tonally, it just doesn't fit very well with the animated stuff, which is just like a f- interesting cop procedural taking place in a weird location that's like very imaginative i think it would have been a really fun reveal for the end of the movie that you were inside of dysfunctional bill murray but i also yeah. never cared about his relationship with his daughter or his job at the zoo and yeah. there is a lot of that so it feels like one of those decisions that got us movies like song of the south where like i'm disney <laughs> and i want to make an animated film but i can't afford to make an entire one i got to shoot mm. some things around this because it is a lot of live action stuff like diana said it's, it's yeah it, it's not it's it's Almost over 50-50. Yeah. And, yeah. If it was like 25-75, then maybe I would like it more. Or just mostly animated because yeah. the animation is like, it's really interesting looking. It's kind of weird. It's, you know, sometimes I was getting like inside out kind of vibes off it. Like there's a lot of creativity going on there. Yeah. yeah inside out. Then it would stop awesome. and it would go to like, you know, Bill Murray having a really gross zit. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh. Now I love it again. Once I can hear my co-host wince. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, it was it was a big old failure, though. And again, I, I did apologize. At the top, I was on vacation and couldn't didn't have access to a lot of these movies. This has been a scourge for me because I saw half of it and then someone ruined the ending. 
So I've never, I've never felt, I've always wanted to go back and see it from, see how that worked out. It is uh, Christopher Eccleston, James Bentley, Alkina Man. Oh my God. Fanula Flanagan. Yeah. Um, Nicole Kidman in The Others. You told your brother there was someone else in the room. There was. Sometimes the world of the dead gets mixed up with the world of the living. This is the father. This is the mother. This is the old woman. And that's the number of times I've seen them. What do you want? They say this house is theirs. Nicole Kidman. The Others. Where is my daughter? Are you mad? I am your daughter. <gasps> Old lady. Oh, Dude, yeah. I love the others. Yeah. Really? Speaking of movies that are just generally creepy, mm-hmm. like hmm. it's just pretty creepy so much of the time because it's not just like, oh no, it's a haunted house. It's like 1945 and Nicole Kidman and her two kids live in this big creepy house and they're like allergic to sunlight. And so they're constantly like, you have to keep every door closed, you have to keep every shutter closed and it's like mm-hmm. the way they move about this house just constantly carefully closing everything it just there's just something about that that just becomes like the ritualization of it just it just makes it extra creepier like because the sun is a bad guy and then spooky shit starts happening in this house and they get these like servants come in and it's like are the servants being spooky they're trying to dra- make him crazy or something and it's just weird and tense and I remember watching it for the first time with my husband Michael and we paused it like to go to the bathroom and he's like, okay, I think I know where this movie is going. And if it isn't, we're going to write that screenplay because it's a really good idea. And I was like, mm. okay. Yes. And then we watched it and we're like, damn it. That was his idea. He got it. Oh. And that's why what you're saying is so great. And, and it's, it's mentioned when it gets mentioned, it's almost always in tandem with Sixth Sense. Well, yeah. yeah. Mm. So we should probably say, if you don't want to be spoiled, we're going to maybe talk a little bit in spoilers. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, to me, my main issue with this movie is that it, is like when you compare it to the sixth sense it's like the sixth sense when you find out the twist ending and then you rewatch it everything makes sense it's like holy shit it was like you could like trace back mm-hmm. this there's still like a lot of things i'm like well what was the point of this and what was the <laughs> point of that like well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really understand the whole sunlight allergy like how that plays into anything and then at some point they're not allergic well were they i mean they might have been allergic in life but yeah, spoiler, 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 spoiler. So, yeah, they might have been allergic in life. Or she's kind of nuts. She could have been making it all up. She's got some sort of Munchausen's by proxy and is using it to control the kids. I'm up for either of those explanations, but yeah. I feel like it's still... I-, I was talking more about the lore that Sixth Sense set- sets up for how certain ghostly things behave. Mm-hmm. That they don't know they're dead. Mm-hmm. And yep. they perform their rituals as they do in life. And mm-hmm. I thought... That's why I think it's neat. I think it is sort of based on what Sixth Sense told us about ghosts. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. I just don't feel like it's as well done. I, like, well, as when, far when as I, the when, story goes. When I, mean, I was told the ending, I was just like, well, that's not really a <laughs> satisfying conclusion <laughs> to all this. Yeah, um, well, it's not just, oh, they were dead the whole time. It's the idea that they're being is. haunted by the living. Yes. Right. Oh, I love that. It's, it's like, yeah. it's like reverse Beetlejuice. Yeah. yeah, it's reverse Beetlejuice. It's like all these spooky things happening, like the curtains opening or the piano starts playing. It's because a living person is doing it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they don't realize that they're dead and they're they're the dead ones. They're the dead ones haunting their own house. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that aspect of it is great. 
but then like Uh-oh. at one point like when she when the daughter turns into the old lady like what's going on there the old lady's a medium so it's like there's like a crossover there yeah okay yeah um... yeah Maybe I'm a ding dong and I just like can't make these connections. No, no, I I, I didn't. I I don't know. When I was, what I, from what I watched, I wasn't predicting that ending at all. And when I heard about it, I'm like, oh, that's a disappointment. That's not what I thought was going to be going down. But then, you know, the more I think about it, like, that's pretty clever, though. Yeah, exactly. The idea of the dead are being haunted by the living. Mm -hmm. And it's it's written and directed by uh, Alejandro Amenabar, I should mention, who did uh, Open Your Eyes, Abre Los Ojos. Fucking great film. Way better than Manila Sky. Yep. <laughs> oh yes, everybody has to say that. Mm-hmm. I disagree. We're gonna fight about this like next. <laughs> All right. We're gonna fight right about this. Stop it. Um, We're gonna talk about Monotooth some at but, some point. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say though, Nicole Kidman is serving face. She's serving <laughs> hair. She's mm-hmm. serving outfits. Like I love her on screen. She looks perfect yeah. for this yeah. role. Very... Like just every shot of her. It, it, She's really doing the work, and I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, she's movie like star. made out of porcelain. Yeah, yeah, it's and it's creepy. Yeah, to the creep. <laughs> yeah, could not get it better. Now, did you rewatch it again recently? Yeah. Now I'm thinking about it. Does she ever change her dress? I don't know. Because there's does. that dress that kind of like has the seam up the middle that I kept admiring, and now I think about it, I'm like, hmm. If she doesn't, that that's another aspect mm. of the situation. Anyways. Hmm. Dead people don't know they're dead, baby. Yep. Uh, but yeah, no, even though it's like, oh, they were dead the whole time. Huh? This is actually like, that seems so dumb. And they managed to pull it off, I think, pretty well with just adding to the spooky. Yeah. It's just, it's really about tone and mood more than what a twist. Well, <laughs> that makes it a perfect pairing with session nine. Oh, good point. Also, an ex- they're both a, tense. Exciting movies. time. We don't always have summers where like the blockbusters are horror films. Like well, it's like the last time I can think of that. This week was very exciting for me because look, y'all, we've been through a lot over the past couple of years. I'm starting spooky season on August first this year. I'll and allow I'm, it. I am ready to celebrate Halloween. So yes, we watched <laughs> the others on the first. We watched uh, a movie that we're going to talk about in 2011 last night, which I cannot wait to talk about. And so, yeah, we're going to just keep this going. I already went to Home Goods and bought myself some Halloween decorations. We're doing this, y'all. <laughs> I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Not oh, excited about this next movie. Yeah, oh. I was going to say, I wish we could just skip this next movie. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. I, guess I think I was, I was the defender of American Pie 1. Just because, um, I, I think you guys were sort yeah. of with me on that. Just yeah, it's, I was generally on board with American. It's Pilot. not a thoroughly sexist story of kids feeling out their sexuality. Again, only white straight kids who listen to Blink One Eighty Two. Um, <laughs> a, cer- a certain kind of white kid, but it, like there was a sweetness to that first movie that um, oh yeah, I had forgotten about, and all of that is sort of goes away when we bring them back. Shit, is this two years later? It all goes away as you try and manufacture all these people for a reason to get back together again. It just becomes scummy and weird and the worst part about maleness that I can just imagine <laughs> during this period. Everyone from the first one, Mina Savari, Shannon Elizabeth, Eugene Levy, Tara Reed, Sean William Scott, Allison Hannigan, Chris Klein, and Jason Biggs, number one at the box office this week, featured in the movie Remember Me. That's the only giveaway there is to that movie's ending, by the way. Um, oh, it, it's, I'm not kidding. We talked about that on a th- Never mind. American Pie 2. Summer, the entire cast of American Pie is back. Come on, Ozzy. 
It's showtime. Join Jim. This is my summer of love. Stifler. Jim, can't you leave your shirt on? You're scaring the chicks away. Jim's dad. Keep it real, homies. And the rest of the gang in the new movie that proves times change, people change, but friends and family are forever. Where's my big guy? Oh, no. Hey! Oh, 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 oh. Get out, Dad! American Pie 2. Rated R. At theaters Friday. Yeah, it didn't have any of the same. I, in fact, it's I, I very rarely bow out of a movie. I'm like, I've had enough. <laughs> I mm. should have, but literally the only good thing I can say about this movie is the soundtrack really takes it's, me back to a time. Yeah. Like, it really takes me back yeah. to a time. I love that song, Laid, by the way. Yeah. This movie is so regressive. Yeah. Like, it is mm. embarrassing Compared to, to the first movie. Now. Compared to the first movie, it's, it's regressive. It is truly embarrassing. And the Sean William Scott of it all. Mm. I think, yeah, that, that's a result of him being a more breakout character and then a breakout movie star that he's given so much more screen time. Mm-mm. I'm pretty sure he was this dislikable in the first film, but that he's around yeah. so much is thoroughly, is like, it is embarrassing because I am I am the age of all the kids in this movie. I, that's why I defended the first one and, and just Sean William Scott, like it just makes me cringe. And yeah. it, all these things that should be fun. He gets peed on in the movie, which Problem mm. Child 2, let's remember, did it much better. <laughs> and, and then to come in and deliver the line that he's been peed on, what does he say? Great writing? I got peed on. Like, yep. yeah, we saw that. Like, do we want to cool. make a joke mm-hmm. out of this? Or- yeah, <laughs> just, I mean, first of all, I love that every single ad tells us the entire cast is back, yeah. but a lot of those characters are it, sent off to other countries. They're just somewhere yeah. that are occasionally mentioned. They did mm-hmm. one day of work of like filming shots of them on the phone. Yeah, I, mean, I meant to look, was and, Mina Savari filming, filming a movie in Europe? Because there is some like legit yeah. shots in Europe that couldn't have cost nothing. Yeah, uh, so, I mean... I don't have a problem with, oh, they get back together and then they go rent a beach house. That's the whole idea of the movie. But they take forever to get there. Yeah. yeah. It was like 40 minutes till they get to the beach house. They spend all this time reestablishing these characters, mm-hmm. but also acting like I remember every single one of them, which mm-hmm. uh, like most of them, I guess. You remember John Cho coming up with the word MILF that we're still haunted yeah. by to, to this mm-hmm. day? Yeah. Ugh. Well, at least you got to pee on Sean William Scott. That's true. So that was cool. Thank God. They come so close to having like a, a, a point that could be the heart of the movie of like, it's hard when everyone, all your friends go off to college and then you reconvene and like you've all changed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like that that's a good thing, but it can be hard. And they almost have that for a second. And then they just go into like Porky's territory, sex comedy stuff. Yes. And it's just like, you're trying to cram all these characters in that now have no reason to be here. And it just sort of goes on and on. Like there were a couple of good bits, like arguably the most sexist bit I thought was the funniest (laughs) where they're obsessed with. They're, they get like a job painting houses the and lesbians. they're obsessed with whether or not the mm. women in the house are lesbians. And then they end up like breaking into their house, looking for proof and get caught by these <laughs> women who then start messing with them of like, oh, anything I do with my friend, you have to do with your friend. Ooh, and it's like, I actually kind of like that because it was finally taking their like gay panic and shoving it in their face and making a point of like. What what is your fucking t- what is it with men and two chicks boning that like you're so obsessed with but the idea of like oh if you kiss your friend that's like the grossest thing ever I wish that still did it for Oof. me I, yeah that yeah it was all so it was painful it was, yeah it was so painful that it was almost like we're almost making a point here <laughs> I kind of like 
like that you're almost making a point here. I don't think you meant to make a point here, but I think you accidentally did. I just... (laughs) I'm so glad I was talking to Sam about this. Like, I am so glad that this style of main boy humor is mm. over. Like, if you think about all the characters are kind of main boys, like even yeah. the soft, sensitive ones that were supposed to be like, oh, like Jason Biggs character, still mean boy. Is and he? like that archetype is largely like relegated to the dustbin of history. I feel like, like if you look at our leading guys now for these kinds of movies and TV shows and stuff. It's not really like that anymore. Mm. And I'm so happy that's gone because that is, it's, it's pretty embarrassing to look at now. I hadn't thought about this, but uh, comparing these characters with kind of a a post-graduation washout character that we're going to talk about in 2011 and seeing like how it's handled differently Mm -hmm. is kind of interesting. 30 minutes or less. We're going to talk about 30 minutes or less later with Jesse Eisenberg. Who's, yeah, also kind of a washout loser obsessed with chicks. And he's still like, oh, yeah, no, he says and does some really bad things. And yet I don't feel like, well, you need to go. You need to have your penis put in jail. I don't trust you <laughs> around humans. Yeah, I mean, and Jesse Eisenberg, I think, has that social network stink on him that I think a lot of people find it really hard for him to shake. Like, I know Sam <laughs> cannot watch anything with that dude because he's like, ugh. But, I mean, also Knocked Up, I think, is a great example of that. Or 40-Year-Old Virgin. I mean, kind of anything Judd Apatow touches Mm. has has that, like, new style of masculinity that I way connect with more than whatever this was. It can still be disgusting in, like, a nice-spirited way instead of in a mean-spirited way. Yeah. That is such a weird line. I don't know how we need to find a way to define it. Yeah. I I, I, I think it's just that, like, not having... The the women in the first movie are kind of like with the guys all the time, and now they're mm. in this movie. They're sort of talked about yeah. as these mythical creatures. Like, so ooh, rich. I bet she fucked all these guys. And like the first movie, she would have been standing next to you, and you wouldn't have said that. And <laughs> and, and now you're all separated. I don't know. It just it feels it feels ickier to me. And it, like, yeah. it, it is ickier. It's, it's just ickier. And I, I also have a problem with the huge, like, romantic gesture that Jason Biggs ends up doing for, like, Allison Hannigan is ruining her concert. Yeah. <laughs> like, she works really hard at that. And then his, like, he's like, oh, I'm going to come in here and pretend to play the trombone. It ruins her whole thing. Like, By, while making a very, very not 2021 joke. <laughs> that is that not is. very good. And I, it doesn't make sense how he got to be. He's not Kramer next to Mel Torme. You didn't get a bunch of Novocaine in your face. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you just hit your head on a belt. Yeah. And you're speaking I, fine. It, it, I did what one of the things I did like about it because I, I I don't I didn't have the revelation around this time where he it's so stupid in the movie and like uh, wait a minute I've always been a band camp dork I just never joined the band but <laughs> but like when you realize you're kind of a dork and you don't like the same things you're some of the people you've been hanging out that was a cool revelation for me like oh yeah I don't have to pretend to like sports if i don't want to fuck all right yeah i'll just talk about spider-man and the simpsons for the rest of my life and i did (laughs) that was a big growth moment for me and it was happening this summer 2001 too for me which is like very exciting nerd camp might have had something to do with that but also too this is another example of none of these people actually like each other as friends yeah they're all and i don't know if that's how boys just interacted during that time period where everyone was just kind of mean to each other. But like, yes. nobody seems like they're actually friends with each other. That's not true. You just can't not, not in a foursome. 
Not in the for not in the foursome. Like if you're all four together, you can't really like something really emotional happened to me. I want to talk to all of you about it. You have to split off from the group and then you can have your emotional tender moments where maybe a tear is shed. I'm not saying I did it because I'd never do that. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't happen. It never happened in a group. You, it does feel like you're opening yourself up to be made fun of, mm-hmm. and it does happen in this movie. Like when the, when they two of them split off, they are very honest with one another. And I think even Jason Biggs, like I think I suck at sex, and I don't know what to do about it. And like, don't even worry about it is all the guy's advice. Like, right? Yeah, that was that or was <laughs> practice on someone else. Read a Cosmo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but actually, go ask a woman. Yeah. Good job. Generally right. pretty good. My, the, the biggest yeah. laugh yeah. I had in the movie, and you really had to see in the first movie like a thousand times, he sees Alan, Allison Hannigan, and she's like, this one time? Here? Uh, like she doesn't <laughs> know while he's at band camp. I don't know. American Pie <laughs> 2, not recommended. The reference I was making, Sarah, if you never saw Remember Me, the Robert Robert Pattinson uh, Girl from Lost movie, mm-hmm. the, en- the surprise ending of the movie that came out in 2010? Mm-hmm. Is that? Yeah, we talked about it. And, like all we talked about was the ending. And the ending is that it's nine eleven and the planes crash in the World Trade Center, <gasps> right. and and you don't for two hours you don't know that, and the only indication they give you is that they that summer they go and see American Pie two, and I wow. remember thinking like, <laughs> I remember what year this came out. Well, I thought this was happening now. What's going on? You can't. No one's doing a revival screening of American Pie two. <laughs> oh <And> like, <laughs> my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> Anyway, moving into television, it is a big one that sadly I know probably the least about. But uh, Gendy Tartakovsky is a wonderful name in animation. If you haven't seen the series Primal on Adult Swim, it has two seasons. It's absolutely wonderful. But uh, he created Dexter's Laboratory, worked on Powerpuff Girls and Batman the Animated Series. It's just it's striking how he moves from Dexter's Lab to a series like Samurai Jack, mm. a very serious show that I at this point I've moved out of my house and I my parents' house, and I don't have access to a lot of cable. I, I know I downloaded some. I just never got into them because they are very serious, and I wasn't really doing that at the time. I was a funny animation guy, and uh, I believe they added another season as of like two years ago uh, to make it a, a five Samurai Jack seasons, but I don't know very much about it, so here we are. Mm. But that's when it's Yeah, I, I understand that it's, I mean, it's very anime-inspired, like, plot-wise, Mm-hmm. Because it's like it's sort of retro futuristic, but it's all you know, you got to fight the mega demon type things, and there's like all this crazy stuff. And he's you know, but he's also like he's wandering the wasteland, yeah, he's a samurai, yeah. and it comes upon you know, crazy shit. And it's very stark looking, like it's yep. bright colors, but they're big blocks of them, yeah. And it got him the job of uh making Clone Wars into a cartoon, which before uh-huh. they were CG, it was from Gendy Tartakovsky because of. The serious nature. He seemed to have a lot of the same influences Lucas did in making mm. Star Wars. And I'm sure there's some great articles talking about all the appropriation, yada, yada, yada. At this time, it felt like animation had a Tarantino and it seemed like a breath of fresh air for people. Like someone who could make something that just wearing all these influences on their sleeve to make something that is modern and taste completely like something retro that the audience isn't going to really understand. And mm. the the show has stood the test of time, I think, because of that. Yeah, um, it's one of those I feel bad that I've never really dug into. Like every time I've seen it, I liked it, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't like anime. So that's pretty impressive. Maybe it's just, I just like that angular style more. I don't know. The, but um, yeah, never just sat down and watched it. Sorry. It's all good. There's too many games to play this week. And by that, I mean two. Diana was probably downloading the Mongol Invasion expansion to Shogun Total War. Ooh. 
But... I would be <laughs> if I played any of those things. Mongols, <laughs> Mongols versus Shogunate? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I was playing one of my favorite WWF games, Betrayal. In that it is not a game where you wrestle anyone. You get to play as Undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, and somebody else. Maybe Triple H. And it is a beat-em-up where you fight your way through the streets to save Stephanie McMahon from the clutches of an evil someone. I can't remember. We streamed it. <laughs> YouTube.com slash LazerTime. It's one of the only, like, you do not wrestle in this game. You play this game as wrestlers. Um, That's fun. Kind of game. Huh. Yeah, and you just beat people up, um, like a final fight. We should game. do that for all kinds of different games. For real. Like, just be a wrestler, but now you're, like, for gathering real. strawberries in the field to, like, make your potions. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was the girliest bit of game design, and it happened so fast. It happened so fast. Uh, well, leave it to Sarah. It's going to design the You're the Worst game hopefully <laughs> up next week. Oh, my God. We're, let's close out with one of the best songs of the O1s, which no one's ever said. Aaron Carter's How That's How I Beat Shaq. This the, song is like, I appreciate the sort of, you know, going back to happy rap. It is very Fresh, fresh Prince. Pr- it's very thing. Fresh Princey. But, I mean, Aaron Carter, he's, a, what, a Backstreet Boys' little tiny brother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just like, oh, my God. Take off those puka shells and cut your hair, kid. I, I thoroughly recommend Neil Sierra's remix because that is just <laughs> that is a banger that I, I, I still look up on occasion to listen to. It's great. Let's close out with a little Aaron Carter, Nikki's little brother, and we'll be right back with 2011. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner, where we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of August 6th through 12th, we've got some old, but yeah, pretty pretty good recommends. You know, I don't know. I just, I, a couple of movies I feel like shouting out. So, 75 years ago this week, saw the release of A Night in Casablanca, which is not one of the better Marx Brothers movies. You know, I feel like they, they start declining in the 40s, but it's still an awful lot of fun. And as a side note, there's this whole like fake controversy that uh, Warner Brothers was going to sue them over using the name Casablanca because they're, you know, parodying that movie. And there's some back and forth, these letters that Groucho Marx wrote that are super funny. I think you can find them just about anywhere. Snopes, if you just Google like Groucho letters, Night in Casablanca is just a side thing. It's, it's a fake controversy that was just, you know, kind of done for publicity, but it's it's just really, really funny. Anyway, 70 years ago this week, 1951 saw the release of uh, one of the better Ealing comedies, which is a series of comedies made in the like 40s and 50s, mostly starring Alec Guinness, The Man in the White Suit, which is a heck of a satire. And I'm kind of surprised no one's tried to remake it. Or maybe they have and just no one noticed. It's about Alec Guinness starts as this guy who's like a chemist and he comes up with a formula to make clothing that will never get dirty and it will never tear. And you never have to replace it. And this causes absolute frickin' chaos. And it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know, it starts out sort of like, huh. And then it just sort of snowballs 
the satire until it just gets really crazy. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. And visually, it's like really striking because there's points where he's running away from crowds in this white suit and it like freaking glows in the dark. And I'm not quite sure what kind of lighting they did with that, but it's directed by Alexander McKedrick, who also did The Lady Killers and Sweet Smell of Success, which I think I'm going to get to on Classic Corner soon. That is a brutal fucking satire. But yeah, Man in the White Suit, it's available free in a bunch of places because, you know, it's a 70-year-old British film. And uh, it's a lot of fun. So that's it for this week. Stay classic. Popping bottles, putting supermodels in the cab. Proof. I guess I got my swagger back. Truth. New watch alert. Few blows, or the big face rolly, I got two of those. Arm out the window through the city, I'm a new slow cut back, snap back, see my cut through the holes. Damn easy and hope, where the hell you been? Coming into 2001 with Otis by Jay Z and Kanye West off of Watch the Throne. What did I know? 2011. Say? What did I say? 2001. Oh, my sinus medication, vodka, must be uh, causing some confusion. 2011. 2011. I should remember that. I hate hearing people like, man, physical media is so stupid. Like, I like physical media. Me too. Except for CDs. I have such a distaste. I don't mind tapes, records. I have a ton of old video games on a cartridge to digitally versatile disc. I don't throw away my DVDs, but something about CDs, like, this is a terrible way to listen to music. And I went to that Call of Duty Expo that one year they did it, and they shoved something under our door to tease what we were going to see that night, and it was Watch the Throne, and we all thought, we're going to see Jay-Z and Kanye, and it was, Tyne said it was just Kanye, but you could have just slid a Kanye album underneath and not given us the expectation that it would have been this truly insane thing to see for free. So, but I still, to this day, have a wrapped copy of Watch the Throne. Traveling oh, wow. somewhere oh. in my media. Well, this song mm-hmm. is fucking great. Yeah, and yeah. this yeah. music video is amazing. <laughs> I love this music video so much. This is one of the ones I put on like when we are getting drunk and watching music videos that I force everyone to watch. We've not done that in a few years. Goddamn pain. I know. Dude. We got to get on that again. Yeah. But yeah, the, wow. I just, I absolutely love it. I don't know if I have ever seen this video, but I know I love me some Otis Redding. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, it's just two best friends having a great time together. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're having the time of their lives, it seems like, and I'm into it. And Aziz Ansari shows up, so you know. <laughs> uh, the basis of that roast joke, I finally get it now. Also, other new releases out this week. Dust by, uh, Jesus, Pete Bog Fairies and Success is Certain by Royce the Five Nine. I'm, did I do a good job of pretending I've heard those words before? Pete Bog um, Fairies sounds like an cottagecore Instagram that I follow <laughs> in order to calm my nerves at the end of a long day. <laughs> cottagecore? You and my mom are watching the same shit. Uh, <laughs> Party Rock Anthem by LMFAO is still number one. And then, oh, and thank you for the couple people that messaged about, wait, who are LMFAO? Because we know that they're uh, an uncle and his nephew. And I didn't realize it's the son and grandson of Barry Gordy, founder what? of Motown Records. Wow. <laughs> like, oh, okay. that Now it makes more sense. Yeah, okay. Uh, nepotism in the music industry. It's is... all nepotism. Producer all the of The Last Dragon? Oh, my God. Yeah, director, director of The of Last, Last Dragon. Dragon. Yep. All right, a little bit of news to bring you into the wonderful world of 10 years ago, 2001. Multiple days of riots in London. You did it again. It's not 2001. 2011. 2011. 2011. Uh, yeah, 
better part of a week's worth of riots in uh, London and breaking out into a bunch of different neighborhoods and a couple of different cities following the police shooting death of Mark Duggan, mm. who was a person of color. They said he's got a gun, which is very, very rare in England. Yes. And cops having guns is very rare. And Did you see Attack the Block? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, people got good and pissed off because it seemed like the cops just shot a guy that they said had a gun and maybe he did and like did they actually like warn him you know was there put your hand it's like there's a lot of conflict about whether or not like they told him to get out of the car or they just if did they open fire did he shoot back and they gave a lot of bad information to the media which really stirred things up and then uh the rioting and the looting starts yeah like 200 million pounds worth of damage worth of biscuits. Uh, five, <laughs> yeah five five deaths Whoa, uh, including okay. some hit and runs, Jesus. a couple beatings, uh, like a thousand people arrested. And it's tough because it's like one of these things where, OK, there's there are people protesting for a reason. And then there's also people who are just being dicks. This is often how it goes when rioting starts. Yeah. But it's also why you should uh, build a society that doesn't doesn't create riots. And well, people were protesting for a just reason. Those became riots. If you had less yeah. protesting and maybe listened to protesters to begin with, you wouldn't see any more riots. Yep. Um, so this is true. And there was, I mean, obviously there was like a racial aspect to everything of who yeah, was rioting, what were they rioting about, where were they rioting. It's it's just a big mess that it seems like a lot of it starts with the cops just just plain fucking up, getting extra jumpy <clears throat> because gun. Of course. And, and then uh, well, <sighs> on the lighter side, and sort of speaking of England. Um, Major League Soccer cuts a huge deal with NBC, um, bringing mm-hmm. Major League American Soccer for the first time uh, into or, soccer in general into the eyes of more people than it ever has before. And as you guys know, I like tying in something from 302010 to something that's happening right now. NBC mm. would continue its commitment to soccer, and I don't believe it's this year, but maybe next year or even the year afterwards, they wanted to promote yeah, we're going to be showing American and English soccer on NBC and NBC Sports. I uh, wonder if we can come up with a character to promote this, maybe. Let's talk to Jason Sudeikis. And he came up with a character we now know as Ted Lasso. Oh, my God. Which, uh, to promote. The best. Yeah. So it wasn't exactly here, but, like, that's how all the, If you've ever been watching Ted Lasso and you wonder, like, why does it open up with Universal Pictures and Warner Brothers and Apple TV Presents? Like, these are three people who should not get along. Um, it's because it's like based on a concept from NBC Sports. That's yeah, exactly. This one is like, wait, what does that mean? That's where what? this comes from. It, it is he. We don't talk about Ted Lasso as the Max Headroom of our modern era. Um, <laughs> he's a commercial pitchman turned famous uh, television star. Yeah, uh, but the product is sport, so it's a little different. No, I don't know. I don't feel as bad like enjoying a show about. I'm oh, not no, watching I the. Guy I feel bad about it. enjoying watching yeah. Max Headroom commercials. So I'm, I'm. I don't know what you're talking. I don't feel guilty at all. Dead Lasso is a great show. I imagine okay. I, I will roll my eyes at it by the time its current contract runs out. I. I this is too much positivity. Give me some cruelty for fuck's sake. Oh, no. Um, Layer it on. I, I cannot watch a, it on. I'm not going to watch a show about a soccer coach for more than two years. Come on, this, this, I can't do it. Moving on to movies of 2011. August 6th to the 12th, Rise of the Planet of the Apes is number one at the box office. Oh, oh I was correct. Planet of the Apes is the best franchise. And the pu- seeing the public like these movies is one of my favorite things in the universe. Because mm. the public didn't like anything but the original Planet of the Apes. 
And, That's true. And I did. And like the, the again, it's a forgotten modern trilogy, the Planet of the Apes series. Give them a watch again. They're really great. This is one of the most insane things I've ever seen, but it shouldn't be totally surprising. It was, what is it, Diana? Every 20 years, Hollywood does does try and push the 3D thing, an experience you can't get on your home television set, even though oh, yeah. more so than ever, yes, you can. Oh, uh, we got two this week that are both yeah. like, we're, we're still really pushing that 3D. And one it, of them the does cheapest a pretty good way you, job. The cheapest one way you can do that not. is with a concert movie. So no. we have a little, yeah. Who needs no. this? And that's that's where we, there's a lot of names here. Do I have to read them all? I'm just, no. Why is Gwyneth Paltrow just, here? Because she guessed it on Glee, and it's Glee, uh, the 3D concert movie. Because I look at the the charts, the music charts every week, and every week there is something from Glee in like the low 20s. Mm-hmm. That's just been consistent this whole time. And we haven't been talking about like every episode of Glee or anything like that. Like we just all ignored it because I don't know if any of us watched Glee. I watched the, the first season and uh, I watched so- the first season. something like, about the next season. Like this is terrible. Mach- it is a machine. It is. And if you own any other CDs with Jane Lynch on the cover, I'd like to hear about them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, and then also out this week, Flypaper, a movie with McDreamy, Ashley Judd. And Tim Blake Nelson. I think it's interesting that we have two bank robbery movies right next to each other the right. same week. This one is about an elite team of bank robbers goes into a bank at the same time as like a couple of idiots go into a bank. And then oh. it's all about who's the real bank robber? Who's the true mastermind? Oh, it was all a setup to begin with. Huh. Yeah, the reviews were like not great, but it's like, oh, but that's a fun idea. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of not great, but not necessarily a fun idea, an idea based on a very real thing that's pretty horrific. Mm-hmm. This is the other movie I spent time with before I went on vacation, and I deeply disliked, despite one of my favorite casts. Yeah. I'm Uh, surprised. Fred Ward, Michael Pena, Nick Swartzen, Aziz Ansari, Danny McBride, and Jesse Eisenberg in 30 minutes or less. You are wearing a highly explosive bomb vest. I like that bear. I don't even know you. We got a duck. Two guys in masks strapped a bomb to my chest, and now I have less than nine hours to rob a bank. And your first thought was to come to a school filled with young children? And my boss was a kid, all I had was a dream. All money, more problems when I get it out the Thirty minutes or less. So, so yeah, I mean, even watching this trailer, I'm like, why didn't I like this? But you guys did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I just I think I was expecting something like this is practically a reunion of some of my favorite parts of Observe and Report. Hmm. Okay. And, and I, I, I I, at the time, gonna... I assumed it was made by the same people, but it clearly is not. Cause... Well, I was going to say, I think this would have been as good as it should have been if it was a David Gordon Green. Right. Movie. And he's part of that mm. team. And, right. Um, and this isn't. This is Ruben Fleischer who did Zombieland. Yes. Okay. I see it. Which is still like, which is which is a movie okay. I, another movie I wish I loved as much as other people seem to. I, I think it's just like it's just not funny enough yet. Like it's just one right. more cook in the oven. Yeah. Um and, and these are all improvisers, and where's their improvisation? Because this dialogue isn't great. And yeah, yeah, I just I, I didn't get it. But yeah, but, did, and also if you've seen the documentary Evil Geniuses on Netflix, <laughs> which I think yeah. is one of the worst documentaries I've ever seen on Netflix, one of the most the worst true crime documentaries. It is based on a real thing, and I watched this pizza guy's neck blow up, like a lot of people did, because it was broadcast live on the news. But it's yeah. based on something very real that. And I, dude, I am not this person on thirty twenty ten. We're like, this is too real to find funny. But I didn't find it funny for that reason. Like, this is this happened like seven years ago. Yeah, that was one thing. I was kind of 
I was like surprised, but I don't know, like, is this a good idea or a bad idea that it's not just based on a real incident um, where this pizza guy named Brian Wells was strapped with a bomb and told to go rob a bank, but that the reason they do that is also based in truth. The idea that we're going to abduct a guy and force him to rob a bank so that we can get money to pay a hitman to kill my dad. Yeah. Like that, that, that's all the real crime, uh-huh. which is weird because like that, that's such a dumb Coen brothers idea, man. It is. It's very Fargo esque. And I, the, the thing I agree to least is the murder of Fred Ward. You do not do that. That man is a national <laughs> no. treasure. <laughs> well, we don't know that he dies. I know he doesn't. Not in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Fred, I love Fred Ward. So Danny McBride is a rich guy's asshole son. Nick Swardson's his little sidekick. They abduct Jesse Eisenberg, who's a pizza guy, and strap a bomb to him and give him, was it like nine hours? You mm-hmm. have to go rob this bank, mm-hmm. steal $100,000 so he can pay hitman Michael Pena, who he's always a joy. Yep. I just love him when he shows up and things. And he always picks some weird quirk for his character to have. Mm-hmm. and. He's just such an odd little The problem guy. is, like, Ronnie, you care too much. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I yeah he's like this gently soft-spoken, very threatening man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> with, yeah. A, w- with a speech impediment. Mm-hmm. It's like, he's so okay. Good. With his little high it's voice. What he didn't observe talks report. up here. I, yep. I, I, wish it, I and, deeply uh, wish it was... I think Danny McBride is one of the most consistently funny people in my life, but he does play the same character a lot. Oh, yeah. And this is yeah. the most written character I've ever seen him play. I I, uh, I laugh uh-huh. the least, and I was disappointed by that, because he, mm. he can do no wrong for me. I love Vice Principles, and uh-huh. oh, my God, Eastbound and Down. Uh, yeah, and The Righteous Gemstones. The Righteous Gemstones is so good. I hope it comes back. It was pre-COVID. It's coming back. I hope yeah, so. I thought they were filming. Yeah, yeah. I just saw uh, oh, good. Sir Walton Goggins post on his Instagram about it. Oh, dude, nice. Good. Yeah. Oh. Like overall, I mean, my my feeling was sort of like that was nice. It's like, yeah. yeah, I didn't I didn't fall in love with it. There were, I mean, a couple really good laughs, but overall, it was just sort of like that was fine. This is, yeah. you know, a B B plus maybe. It's Precisely. just kind of a small little cute movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. didn't didn't do it for me, but that's that's okay. As long as it, yeah, because I, I love all these people, I genuinely do. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I just mostly I appreciated that it's like. It's a really good length. Like, it's mm-hmm. barely 90 minutes. Oh, yeah, it's like 86 like, minutes. It's like Dumbo-esque. Yeah, like, <laughs> we, we do not need to stretch this out. We do mm-hmm. not need to spend too much time on character. Mm-hmm. We Yeah, just go. Just, it, it knows what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's fine. Is this the final? This is not the final destination. It is the final. Really? Final what? destination. So far. Because I thought they called it the final destination for a no, really confusing was... Suicide Squad. No, that was, I think, the, the previous, previous one. movie. It happens in your Which fours. Is... The fi- Friday the 13th floor was the final chapter. It's uh, so, so confusing. So yeah, this so far is the final, final destination. And mm. by all reports, and I admit I have not watched it, it's like the second best one. one of the I loved ones. it. Yeah? Yeah. Actually, I've seen a couple scenes from it, you know, because it's final destinationing. You know, the Rube Goldberg murders. I was just about to say, I love the Rube <laughs> Goldberg of it all. Like, it's yeah. so fun. Yeah, but I mean, what I watched was like, Oh, yeah, this is pretty good. And then, boiler, it turns out it's actually a prequel. <gasps> really? That's yeah. the reveal? Kind of. Mm. I mean, you don't need to know that, but it's like the very first Final Destination is about them getting off a plane that's about to crash. Yes. And then this one oh. ends with the people who are escaping from death getting on that plane. Whoa. Oh, man. Wow, that's a tight little circle. It's almost stupid that's, to make another movie at that point. Yeah. Really this will be a series on the Sci-Fi Channel in like two years. Mm. Uh, I enjoyed the crap out of this. Yeah? Yep. Really liked it. Yeah. I mean, it's just like very fun. 
very gross. I always it is gross. I, oh, I I watched the acupuncture scene. Oh, oh, that was oh, rough. Ow. That oh. was rough. The gymnastic scene. I, I'm so pissed. You both have seen scenes from this. My family and I, due to lack of entertainment, watched Nightmare on Elm Street four together on vacation with my mother and father. That's who I'm talking about with my family. I got the DVD of this from the Whoa. library. Well, no library in Mexico Beach. Um, the the Florida one, not the Mexican one. I'm sure they'd have a fucking library. <laughs> a biblioteca. Um, a biblioteca. <laughs> I need destination di finale. Um, part cinco. Yeah. <laughs> a rare laugh from a genuine laugh from Sarah. But finally, we have a TV spot. <laughs> yeah. Well. Why not use it? Everybody off the bus! Death doesn't like to be cheated. You were supposed to die on that bridge. Are you saying we can't stop this? Wait a minute, we kill someone, we get their life? When we're done, you'll have perfect vision. Five. I, I always love the concept of like, you know, you cut it line, you cut in line at the deli, you're going to get the next person's meat. And that's what Final Destination is. Disrupt yeah. the timeline. You're going to get the next death scheduled for someone who might not be you. I think about that it's so all silly. the time. It's, so it's, <laughs> it's taking up a lot of my thought space. But yeah, I definitely remember seeing the trailer for this with the like laser eye surgery part mm. of it. Like, oh. Yeah, I love this. Oh, it's fun. Right. Yeah, they just they keep saying, oh, yeah, no, we're going to make another one. We're going to make another one. It's like, it sounds like you're good. Well, it sounds I, like I, you, I, you went out on top. You should probably stick with I, that. This is something we talk about a lot in bonus time is all these acquisitions take place. I think it probably got lost in that it was a new line new line movie, wasn't it? Yeah. So I think it's, it's new like, line or dimension. I it's forget. under the umbrella of Warner Brothers and every other fucking thing in the world. And it's yeah, we just have so many more priorities remaking this and that. Like um that's what happens. I always use it. I, I use Ice Age as the comparison. Like Disney bought Fox. Mm. And like, if you liked Ice Age, they have a snow movie and they're not going to make the one you want again. Mm, and yep. that's where, that's what happens when you allow capitalism to run, run amok. But here we are. I did not see yeah. this. Although I do it's like fun. Courtney B. Vance and David Koechner being in this type of movie. That that entertains me very much. Yeah. And <laughs> yes. Tony Todd. Come on. Yes. I love Tony yeah. Todd. And th- for that reason, it is a very good 60 Degrees of Separation movie to know about. Oh, okay. Okay. And then fine, fine, lastly but not leastly, uh, Cicely, Cicely Tyson, Sissy Spacek, uh, David O'Yellowo, Chris Lowell, Brian Kerwin, Leslie Jordan, Dan Ivey, Anna Camp, Emma Stone, Octavia Spencer, Allison Janney, Bryce Ellis Out, Viola Davis, Jessica Chastain. The help! I'm going to be a serious writer, Mr. Blackley. Woohoo! I guess you'll do. On August 10th. I want to interview you. I'd like to do a book from the point of view of the help. Be good to get it right. I got plenty to say. Yeah, I'll bet you do. The truth will be served. Have you lost your mind? No, ma'am, but you about to. It's quite scandalous. I heard that Betty character might be Hilly Holbrook. Careful, Hilly. That's chapter 12. Don't give yourself away now. The Help, rated PG-13. From Touchstone Pictures, Disney not wanting to put their name on this. Yeah, so I went with the comedy Ad because most of the other ads were so inspirational that once I found the comedy ad, I was like, okay, this actually is like a better movie <laughs> than the one about like these women came together uh-huh. to change everything and cook poop and <laughs> to solve racism. <laughs> they fixed racism. Uh, yeah. 
So the help. It's a best-selling book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really appreciate that the lady who wrote the book, Catherine Stockett, was like, I'm not selling the film rights unless you let my friend direct it. Whoa. Is that what happened? <laughs> yeah. Oh. And I put her foot down. And it's not like her friend was just some rando. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, he made uh, Tate Taylor also made Get On Up and Girl on the Train since then. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's, you know, just some schmuck. Oh, but... Directing chops and you can see it. But yeah, I, I always appreciate that little bit of, uh, <laughs> I don't know, solidarity, I guess. <laughs> On the one hand, white saviors, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. white people fixed racism because black people couldn't do it themselves, I guess. On the other hand, how do you fix racism except changing the minds of white people? Yep. So mm-hmm. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Still dead set yeah. on it. <laughs> yeah, I read the book before I saw the movie because it was all the rage. And then I saw the movie and honestly, not to like kind of make a pun on the movie it just left a bad taste in my mouth oh, like it just, oh. i really it's all i know about the movie is the poop eating yeah yeah it yeah. seems so extreme for now imagine watching it in problem child watching. too are we back to that again <laughs> i can't i can't get over it. it's one of the best movies ever we didn't we didn't talk about it enough sorry the help i haven't seen right. it. go ahead yeah so I mean, the setup there is what Emma Stone went to college and then came back to Jackson, Mississippi and uh, wants to be a writer and starts working on like the small town paper and decides what she wants to do is write about the experience of all the hired help who are all people of color, you know, and they're like upper class, super white people society. And you've got, you know, other people that like she went to school with who are they probably don't consider themselves racist, but they're basically clan members Mm -hmm. Uh, sometimes ridiculously so and it's like it's so well-intentioned that i can't get that mad yeah but there's no nuance like it's real hammer over the head kind of no you're you're a good person or a bad person and that's it yeah, yeah yeah and there is a lot of also like black women hoping white women figure out value themselves figure their mm-hmm. shit out you know like uh. yeah it's like it's it has it has some really important points to make mm-hmm. uh and it makes them really really unsubtly mm-hmm. i thought you know all the acting is pretty good sure except some of that, our best people are in it yeah i mean yeah, it has a ridiculous cast and, you know, Viola Davis and Octavia Spencer in particular mm-hmm. bring a lot more dignity to characters that could have been played much worse. Yes. And I think that's important, you know, yeah. because that that's one of those things that keeps it away from the white savior sort of thing. In some ways, I wish it wasn't about, yeah, a, a white girl asking these women for their stories. But it was about them, you know building themselves up but it's like part of the point is like they're too fucking tired and overworked like they spend their whole days raising other people's children right and then they come home to their kids who the fuck's watching their kids not telling stories to you off the clock well yeah. and, the, and the point is is that you know emma stone is writing their stories so that uh, so that people could hear them that normally wouldn't be able to hear them and these women would not have a chance to write for the newspaper you know so mm-hmm. I get it. It's all like, I get it. I get it. I get it. But it's just done very ham-fistedly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, it makes it hard to recommend the book as well. Like, I, it's, yeah. Yeah. Is, is there some, is this there, is there, but there's the, like a redeeming fun to this? Like scenes and. 
Well, yeah, the moments... poop eating scene is pretty awesome because Octavia Spencer has worked for Bryce Dallas Howard for a million years, and Bryce Dallas Howard has like built her her own bathroom because she doesn't want her using the white people's bathroom, and and she comes up with these justifications for it. That's like, oh yeah, that's people who don't think that they're ridiculous racists come up with these stupid justifications. Think that they're being good people, they're being helpful people, but it's mm. like, no, you're being racist, and. Uh, yeah, finally, Octavia Spencer snaps, and uh, I think she gets fired and, and just gets mad and, uh, you know, bakes her favorite chocolate pie with the good kind of vanilla. Ew. And I put something extra special in there. And it's just this showdown scene of Howard <laughs> gradually realizing, oh, dear God, what has happened? <laughs> and yeah, and Octavia Spencer wins an Oscar for it, and she deserves it because she's, she's great. Right. She brings a lot more to a character that could have been incredibly one-dimensional. She, I, that's the only thing I had to say about add to this conversation is that she's one of my favorite SNL hosts as of because of this. And if you didn't see the movie Ma, which is one of the most fucked up movies I've seen in recent memory, I saw this irrespective of this movie. It's directed by the same director and she's cast in a role that clearly didn't specify race and that'll become very apparent in the movie. But he's just like, yeah, I think Octavia could do this super fucking weird character and it's it's such a strange film <laughs> and, and it, I, she wouldn't have been cast in it if not this if not for oh. this so ma salute to ma really like huh. mm-hmm. that's neat yeah it's i don't know i feel like th- this is the level of like let's talk about race that works for like 11 year olds yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> It's yeah. like, yeah, we get, and look, there's, there's, there's good white people. There's bad white people. There's white people who are bad. They don't realize they're bad. They don't mean to be bad. Yeah. Mm. It's the system we live in. If only we had some sort of theory that was critical. <laughs> <laughs> that we, and we taught it in kindergarten with Antifa yeah. teachers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sarah just winced. Um. <laughs> no, the whole thing. Yeah, it's racism for babies. It's, it's it Jim, it's... Jim Henson's uh, racism. <laughs> Jim Henson's driving with Daisy. I yeah. just, mm. I like how the trailer, that particular trailer that we just played, makes it sound like it's Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood. Yeah. Like everyone's <laughs> just having a good time and dancing around to fifties yeah. hits, you know and. Segregated, yeah, like segregated that. boys on the side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's just like it's fine. I, everyone's good in it, and you know, it's just yeah, it's basic. Do you think it's the most? It's, it's not one of the more. Basic. It's not more embarrassing than Green Book for an Oscar win for some reason, right? No, I don't think so. I've seen Green Book, and I was mortified <laughs> as someone who likes the Academy Awards and white that this I got think it's that an apt comparison. Do you? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, they're yeah. You got to talk about them together which which one would you recommend which would you recommend first would i recommend mm. that's tough mm. that that is tough because they're both yeah incredibly unsubtle i would recommend the help just because ladies sure i probably that's, would too that, yeah, I would, I would, that's that what i was sort of is, sort of asking you like if there's amazing. if there's redeeming sequences in this film that remain fun despite you know other i'm na- sorry ladies and leslie jordan that's okay. what i meant to say all right because <laughs> i love him yeah no, I think this is like it's a better primer on yeah the sort of unspoken racism that we have all over the place. That's like, and yeah. it's an it's an everyday. It is an everyday look. It's an everyday. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Whew. I'd probably end up recommending this anyway. Moving on. And all right, uh, you know, sometimes I wish I was more qualified to talk about racism on these lines. And one of the TV things makes me think of that as well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, not the first one. The first one being, I believe it's said to be first Cinemax's first ever original series, even though it is a sequel to a British series oh. uh, from several years earlier, but it is Strike Back Project Dawn, a sequel to Strike Back. It is Cinemax are, want to shed their um, identity as Skinemax and start making original series. Transporter, the show? We never saw it? No? Okay. Nope. And then Lopez Tonight takes a bow. Oh. Um this week, mm-hmm. and I love bringing that up because that's obviously George Lopez's TV show. But if you don't remember, and why would you? You're young. It aired on TBS, and George Lopez fought to get Conan. A boy. He thought having Conan as at his lead in, like this, will only help the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I watched Lopez tonight, and their audience was non-white and ecstatic. It was like massive fans, like all wearing shirts, clearly bought at bought or given at the show. It just like. It just wasn't, it did, it's just one of those things that like, I can't put my finger on the racism personally, but like, it seemed like it found its audience, but like they pushed the show back an hour for Conan and within like a year is, and it's over. And one of the reasons, one of the things I like about talk shows, they're made so quickly, you can address your firing in your monologue. Hey, please settle down. Sounds good. I only have till tomorrow night. So relax. Hey, so in case you didn't uh, hear the news, TBS has decided not to renew Lopez tonight, but that's all right. So, hey, did you guys see the news? Unemployment is at an all-time high, and for Latinos, they just got a little higher. <laughs> I, yeah, the whole monologue's about being fired, and if you ever wa- never watched the show, it's like, I think most of it was like shot outdoors with like a band, and it just like... Yeah, this looks like an actual real party as opposed to the fake party of most yeah. late night television. It looks and, actually fun. Yeah, it looks like a fun, fun. And again, like he does in this pit, like show diversity, show my audience. Oh, no, that's the, the real last episode, which our city hall is on wonderfully. Um, oh, that's <laughs> nice. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, yeah a bunch of non-white people I'm who not. clearly love this show that I kind of liked. And I'm just sort of bummed that it went away. Um, mm. It was my introduction to George Lopez. I didn't know the sitcom at all. And the only thing we knew about him before this, he walked into Brett's E3 Mortal Kombat appointment and got it canceled because he was so famous. Uh, come back later and play Mortal Kombat. George Lopez in here is here much better head all. Also good friends with Sandra Bullock. It's true. Huh. Yeah. You haven't heard all those stories, Diana? It's so weird. During her divorce, that's like the first guy. Is it like he like lived in her, lived in his house or some shit after a while? Yeah. Got a sitcom huh. name. On the 10th, Diana, what happened on television? Uh, back to every episode of Deadliest Warrior. Where we find out, yeah, which historical figure would we, which historical figure, and they have Genghis Khan versus Hannibal. That's not even a contest. (laughs) Khan would walk all over them elephants. I'm sorry. Deal with it. Uh, The show is so stupid. It is so stupid because they have computer reenactments, which is just like a bunch of out of work actors in a park in El Segundo, like running around dressed (laughs) as Mongols. They're LARPing. Yes, they're watching LARPing. It's so great. Uh, video games of 2011, not not that many. A, a bunch of stuff I've never heard of. And again, I was working in the games industry, seeing every game that week. And the only thing that really strikes a chord with me will probably strike a chord with our audience. It is uh, the first episode of Strong Bad's Game for Cool and Attractive People. Ooh. Yeah, Homestar Runner making it into its own episodic game, which I think is the most significant, longest thing Homestar Runner has ever done in the last 10 years. Yeah, Lost Somewhere on Wii. Um, came out on Wii and oh, it came out on PC as well. But uh, yeah, that is that is about Anomaly Warzone Earth for iOS, a game who that was named out of drawing video game names out of a hat. 
<laughs> um, I love those things, and that's yeah, one epic game. Don't know it, uh, but that's about it. And uh, but but hold on, don't leave thirty twenty ten just yet. You think we're done, but we have a quiz about the people who lived and died. But before we do that, we have to we have to plug things. I swear thanks. Failty even to uh, people like Christopher Otterman and many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time who are enjoying 302010's inaugural Classic Corner episode where Sarah and I joined Diana to talk more about Classic Corner during the month. A Video Game Apocalypse, uh, our weekly video game show. Wow, I think, what is this week's show about? batshit video game auteurs and the games that kind of ruined their legacy. That is happening, but uh, Michael Raparez, Mr. Diana Goodman, and Maddie Allen join me irregularly for a look at the games of the entire month. Collective 50 years in the games industry. Some of us some, some of us have even worked on some of the games we end up talking about. It's strange. There's bonus time this week. Sarah joins me to talk about The Beach, Jungle Cruise, Pig, Master of the Zola. Universe, Zola, to talk about new releases and stuff that's been going on in our own lives, like why I got a COVID test and why I'm still feel stuffy. What's going on? I hate Delta. But then Diana, where can people find you at? They can find me on the Twitter at listenernerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast30210podcast. And coming up next week, we've just had a run where we had a David Zucker movie. We had a Jim Abrams movie. And next week, we finish out the trilogy with a Jerry Zucker movie. Wow. Okay. That is not a remake of It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, but it might as well be. Oh, God damn it. I know this has John Lovitz in it. And it Mr. Bean. does. Ooh, boy. We also have remakes for some reason of Fright Night and also Conan the Barbarian. And more Spy Kids. <laughs> I'm not, oh, God. Wow. I'm not looking forward to next week then. Oh. It's a weird, it's, it's a weird week. It's but then a very things, weird week. Things pick back up. Yep. Um, and then who, who, who died during all this? Oh, then this week we lost Super Hates. That guy, John Wood, is in 2011. He was 81. He was the computer programmer in War Games oh. who's like hiding on an island. And it's like, oh man, every time you see him, we're like, is that guy? And we lost <laughs> Janie Lane, frontman of Warrant, who's 47. Alcohol poisoning. Oh, no. In 2011. Mm-hmm. Is that the wow. shirt Stuart wears um, in the Beavis and Butthead episodes and not the merchandise? Oh, no, that's Nelson. No, here's Winger. Winger, my bad. Winger. No, no, not Warrant. They were bigger. <laughs> <laughs> and without further ado, uh, we got to figure out who was born during this period. Bubble of birthdays! Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. A favorite of all of ours, someone we oh? all love very much, turning sixty six this week. Stanley Tucci. No, that would have been awesome. I've been though. so mad at you, <laughs> Tom Cruise. No. Okay, Sarah, shut up. Born <laughs> August 7th, 1955 in New York City. His family then moved to Georgia and he played on his high school football team. He attended University of Georgia but left one credit shy because he was getting acting work. And he went back and finished his degree in 2008, which I find just adorable when people do that. He moved to New York and supported himself as a private investigator for five years. What? Jason Schwartzman and bored to death? Like, no. no. <laughs> Ted Danson. No. 66. One of these days, days you're going to get it. (laughs) A couple years later, he became... This I found really interesting. He was the very first person cast in Jurassic Park because Spielberg saw him in another movie and was like, that guy. Not Samuel. Jeff Goldblum? Freaking Jeff Goldblum. Okay. No. uh, Sam Jackson? Sam L. Jackson. No. Wayne Knight. (laughs) It is Wayne Knight. Yes! Yes! (laughs) 
Hello, noob man. I mean, Sarah, or what? Yeah, I'm, I'm out of shit talking. He saw him in Spielberg saw him in Basic Instinct and was like, "That's my Nedry." Yeah. The, wow. The way he licked his lips to Sharon Stone's vagina, I really want him killed by a Dilophosaurus. <sighs> yeah, and he has been in a lot of stuff that we oh, have yes. talked about. Mouse that people probably forget he's in Dirty Dancing. Yes, yes. And everybody's all American, born on the 4th of July. V.I. Warshawski, we just talked about. Disney's Hercules and Tarzan for Richard for Poor, My Favorite Martian, Pros and Cons, Kung Fu Panda, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Third Rock from the Sun, Hot in Cleveland, Punisher War Zone. Love him in that. Space Jam, wow. Toy Story 2, and of course, I fell. If you would like to win Chris's Guide to Winning the Internet in one easy move, mm. find a picture of Wayne Knight playing football. Uh, or at least <laughs> in the. I want to see Young Wayne Knight. Yeah, Young Wayne Knight in it, like a. In a glamour pose, better. Like my dad played football uh, at a, some public school, and like people painted them, and so it's like my dad looking ridiculous, clearly on a templated body where they just paint his face in. Yep. That. Uh, would... Oh, I'm I'm seeing some good some old way night photos when he was younger. He looks the same with just a lot more hair. Because okay. I've seen I've seen him a little skinny. Mouse hunt. I, I, yeah. I mean, is there a better nemesis character than Newman. Can you like, imagine that Doppler effect going into the end? Just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Newman. He's kind of cute. He's uh, younger. He's got sort of like a, a nebbishy Jufro quality to him. Uh, we we watch like, Seinfeld. Okay. We, we know Wayne Knight can get it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Third Rock from the Sun. Mm-hmm. He got all of it because women love cops. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that is about it for the show. We're going to close out with Now That We Found Love, What Are We Going to Do by Heavy D and the Boys. What a great yeah. song. Yeah, that's um, on the charts this week. Mm-hmm. And I just love this song. And the video, I don't know what it is about a bunch of men all wearing very colorful rain gear. It's just so <laughs> weird. Um, it's just a weird video for just a bitchin' song. So, yeah. Yeah, great song. Thank you guys so much for your continued patronage. And by that, we don't just mean your money. You're list- just listening. Very nice of you guys. This show's a super blast to do, and I would love to hear what you guys have to say about Jean-Claude Van Damme movies and American Pie 2. I would love to hear. It's very weird how many memories I have about how much this awoke in me. Because, like, the first one I saw twice in the theaters, whereas this, like, I think I saw once but you know unrated dvds were a thing that were floating around during this period so there's it's very possible younger people have seen this a billion more times than i have nick tunes i'd love to hear what you have to say about nick tunes doug rugrats and ren and stimpy but um let's close out with heavy d and uh catch up with you guys next week peace shake me shake me baby baby bake me no need to fake here i am come on and take me wind your body baby move your body i see you slip sliding come on and do it